Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. You're tuning in to the online broadcast network, AfterBuzz TV. Over 20 million weekly downloads in over 150 countries and your number one source for after show entertainment. TV, the destination for TV superfans, producing after shows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows, interviewing celebrities and showrunners, and bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E! Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin! He did the mash. He did the monster mash. The monster mash. It was a graveyard smash. He did the mash. It caught on and flashed. He did the mash. Oh man, this is exciting. Look at this, we're dancing, guys. Oh, I love the toy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I love it. Oh, you are still dancing. We're still dancing. We missed you. This is how much we missed oh, you guys. Yeah. We needed something so happy. The mash. These are two really exciting guys. You guys. It's almost Halloween. We're almost there. I know, right? Yeah, there, guys. Welcome Freaking back. This Woo! is the Fear the Walking Dead After Show on AfterBuzz TV. We are back in the brand new digs, the first Fear the Walking Dead After Show in the new AfterBuzz TV studios. So this is very exciting. Yeah. Are you guys excited? I am. Excited. So pumped up to be here. Okay, if that was a two, give me a ten. Woo! There we go. <laughs> oh my god. There you go. Girls, I was peeking the mic. Got this. There we go. So guys, we have two episodes to cover. We have the fourth episode of the season as well as the fifth episode of the season. I'm your host, Ben Bateman, joined today by my lovely panel of feedback on the mic just now that I'm hearing. Hot mic, hot mic, guys. Uh, by my lovely panel of co-hosts, we have we have Kristen. Hey guys, Kristen Carroll. Let me see you again. We have Megan. Megan Salinas. You guys can tweet at me at the Menguin. That's T-H-E-M-E-N-G-U-I-N. And we have... The lovely Ashley. Yes, thank you guys. And feel free to uh, give us your comments and questions. We're in the chat today. Welcome. Yeah, so sorry about that last time, guys. I, I, we totally spaced on the chat. Mm-hmm. We were so wrapped up in the episode that we just forgot to even yeah, respond to the comments. Yeah, we had the guest and everything, too. Mm-hmm. So there's yeah. just a lot yes. going on. We had Lincoln. So we're going we're gonna to do our, our damnedest to, uh, to stick with that and cover everything we possibly can. Really quickly, uh, before we get into the episode, we want to remind everybody to please subscribe on iTunes and give us ratings. We provide free content. We'd love to continue providing, providing free content. Yes. Uh, and it is difficult to do unless we are encouraged by our fans. So it would be awesome if you guys could help us out with that. Go to iTunes, give us a rating, a review, and you can find us on Twitter. And if you want to tweet at us during the show, tweet at FearABTV, hashtag FearABTV. I thought yeah. it was the other way around, ABTV oh, Fear. Hashtag ABTV Fear. Dead Trivia. On. I was going to yeah. say, have I been Quiz. doing it wrong this whole time? Yeah. It wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> Spot on, Meg. Uh, so that is what we're going to do. So we're going to jump right into the first episode, which was last week's episode, episode four. Uh, Not Fade Away is the name of it. Uh, we, we pick up our heroes, uh, Nick, Liza, Griselda, and uh, they are. The episode opens up with uh, with with the house, right? You, we mm-hmm. have we have Nick sitting on top. Of, not Nick. It's Chris, Chris the yeah. other mm-hmm. son, and he's sitting on top of a car, and he's uh, seeing a light being reflected in the distance, mm-hmm. and we think that there's something going on in this house. Yeah, we talked about like the significance of um, his video camera and how it's going to play a role. Like right. earlier on, a lot of people were saying, you know, that was kind of interesting when we saw him uh, during that riot, mm-hmm. and then he's mm-hmm. filming, and then he here he is filming again, and he sees this light in a, in a house across the way. So he goes and of course and tells Travis and. Travis is like, oh, kids. It's today. immediately yeah. dismissed. Yeah. Right. Uh, you know, the, even the possibility that this could be a cry for help or a warning of some kind, immediately dismissed as just, it's not our problem. Don't worry about it. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's funny at the way that, that sort, sort of interplay between the stubborn father and the adolescent son. Mm-hmm. And one thing I do think is funny about that is that you, you see the two teenage characters. I guess there's three of them really, but yeah. it, it definitely seems like it, it is Chris. And it's uh, Ashley, uh, Alicia, 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 and they. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in the show. Yay! And it seems like they have these moments where they do something really kind of foolish, I guess. But mm-hmm. and we, as an audience, kind of feel that way. But then you have to think you're like, 
they're kids and they're supposed to act like kids and kids do things that are kind of irrational and irresponsible. But I think it's funny that if I was a 16 year old watching a 16 year old character act in some of the ways they act, I would be like, oh, that's so dumb. How do they act so childish? Even though I probably acted the same way when I was 16. Yeah. So I think you have the same reaction to that kind of, but it's it's necessary because it's like that kind of love to hate yeah. kind of thing. Well, I, oh, I'll go for it. I was going to say really qu- I, quickly, you kind of see that Chris and Travis, they both have this they're very similar to each other being father and son that they I think they fight against it but we saw it the difference in it from last week where you know um Chris is trying to be more the responsible one like dad we need to go out and get this and then we see in this episode five not to jump too far ahead right. that he's the one being completely irrational with Alicia just kind of going crazy so it's mm-hmm. interesting to see that dynamic and Travis tries to keep it together but then he kind of loses his cool mm-hmm. very easily as well and to be honest i was a little disappointed about that dynamic because it seems a little cliche to me you right know? it's like come on son I, I don't have time for this it's like well what else are you doing really? you know <laughs> yeah like you have this entire army here they're handling things okay you're an english lit teacher like relax you know like you can take a second to really pay attention to what your son is saying because as he found out at the end of the episode it actually was a serious situation that if he had right. just taken the time to listen and i feel like at this time this is not a time for you to be just kind of scattering about trying to just do other meaningless things. This is a time to really band your family together, figure out what the heck is going going on and how to get everybody out of it. So for me, that was kind of, I kind of chalked that up. So that was a very kind of cliche Hollywood move, you know, for, mm-hmm. for writing's sake. I mean, not to bash it like that, but yeah, I just didn't agree with that, that well, whole encounter that they had. I felt like you should have listened to him a little bit more. To his credit, and granted, I, I don't want to give too much credit because I agree it shouldn't have been dismissed. Um, that's something to be investigated. But to his credit, he, uh, both he and Madison are trying to act like everything is normal. Like at the beginning of the episode, he's going on a jog. Right. Yeah. Who goes on a jog in yeah. the zombie apocalypse? So he's going on and, and he's listening to Perfect Day, um, which is a great song, by the way. And then, um, again, to his credit, he's also the official, unofficial liaison between what's left of their community and the military. Right. He's been the guy that the head of the military has been going to and he's the only one that even has like a kind of chance. Like the guy calls him Mr. Mayor. Right. Even though he has absolutely no authority. He's a teacher. At least he's not called governor. <laughs> give right. it give it time. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, he might pick the name for himself. I always thought mayor was a good title. Yeah. So okay, so we, we pick up there and then we open up and now we've got all like the military. We've got military mm-hmm. presence in their little uh their cul-de-sac, so to speak, right? Their little like their little town, I guess it is. Yeah. Uh eleven families, or there's more people. People, but there's not a ton of people and it starts out and this is that this is that situation we all find ourselves in as viewers of the show where we obviously know so much more than the characters in the show know about their own situation I mean ultimately everybody we meet that isn't you know like a person trying to survive essentially and every single like cardboard character of authority we're just waiting for them to die I mean, <laughs> because basically I mean you may find that one or two of them ends up in the group but for the most part they're just fodder, which is a weird place to be when you're watching a show mm-hmm. because it's almost like you're watching a slasher movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're kind of like, which two characters are going to survive out of yeah. all of you? We have the main people and then everyone else, you're just scenery to be, you know, as we see in the fifth episode, which we'll get to in a minute. So I thought it was interesting with, with the military in there, we saw Ophelia, you know, make a connection with um, and Andrew Adams, um, Corporal, and how that played out because we learned at the very beginning from Chris that it's only nine days later so that relationship right. went really fast or mm-hmm. maybe they were together before that <laughs> but I thought that was kind of an interest it, it was a little cliche as well I mean mm-hmm. I think that like oh now it's a different love dynamic but I also thought it was also interesting to see like how that would affect and as we saw in episode five how much it did but when we first saw them together it's like it's actually really nice. They have, like, she has almost a, a connection then to the army, and hopefully that helps them. Well, I, I figured that she was only doing that specifically it, to yeah. get medicine yeah, for her yeah. mom, too. Oh, she like, thought she was using him. Yeah, totally. I, I did 100%. Because the, oh, cause the fake laughter she's giving when she meets him, and there's the great exchange in the, in the eyesight between Alicia and Ophelia, yeah. and mm-hmm. it's like, she, like, Alicia's looking at her, and I think she's sort of like, yeah, I know I'm capable of doing that, too, because I'm a woman. 
but, and he's a man, mm, but, I'm not but you're older yeah. and you should know better, but you're doing it anyway. And she kind of gives her this like cock to the head look. Like, really? Yeah. But then you have this moment of you're like, what would you do if you were trying to get medicine for your dying mother? Would right. you like, would you flirt with the guy to get him? And, and then I, that's the feeling I got was that she was totally doing it with everything. Mm. But she do get a little bit more of a sense that there's a connection because she does seem to well, like him. She, yeah, she doesn't hate him or anything like that. And yeah, she clearly didn't want any harm to befall him later on. But right. but yeah, I think the only reason that she she formed that connection in the first place was for leverage mm-hmm. right because you're not going to be going to these people getting rations like oh he's cute like you know it's a zombie <laughs> apocalypse but man let me try and <laughs> set something up and see where this goes yeah I kind of felt that too I mean, the end of the world has been great for my love life <laughs> exactly right you know. I, I mean not yet I mean, but, like, but as we see later on it feels like that in the dating world doesn't it though <laughs> well once later once the epidemic is later and we see like in The Walking Dead mm-hmm. once the realization is there's not a whole lot of people left. <laughs> there's literal exchanges where it's like everyone's pairing off and there's not a whole lot of women left. Do you want to, like, do this thing? <laughs> so it's much more, like, upfront later on. <laughs> but I think right now we're still under the guise of, you know, there's actually some some semblance of order. So yeah. we should talk about there's, there's two different things that happen next. Uh, number one is that Travis has to kind of deal with one of his neighbors and we start to get the sense that the civil unrest will not be tolerated and anybody mm-hmm. who's causing a problem or seems to be sick is going to be taken away. Removed. Um, right. We meet the doctor. And then at the mm-hmm. same time, Madison decides she's going to she's gonna listen to what Chris has to say. She's going to look at the video camera and she's going to go on a little mission of her own. So let's talk really quickly first about what happens here when we realize that people are being whisked away for just having a problem or maybe having a fever and... Like, what do we think about that? I mean, how that all exchange happened. Very interesting. Um, I think in this entire episode with the light that was shining across the, I guess, borders, just with people, you know, kind of being hush-hush about taking people away, to me it just represented sort of the beginning of... You know, we have the zombie apocalypse, and that's sort of the end of civilization, but just sort of the beginning and the end of just human sympathy and just sort of, you know, that carnal human basic uh, foundation that that we kind of go back to when we're put in really, really tough situations, you know, because it didn't have to necessarily go down that way. They could have handled things a lot differently. I'm not ahead of a military, so obviously I don't know (laughs) what would have been the best strategy going forward. But, you know, it just sort of showed a lot of how people how people can really be corrupt like the humans in this world people who are alive they're the ones that you should fear right often more so <laughs> than the people who are dead mm-hmm. so i just kind of got a, a beginning glimpse of how that's evolving and how that's going to play out you know in the rest of this series i i agree with you 100 percent. for me the the carting kind of everybody away in big groups like even if they only have like a mild fever that to me is like everything i fear about like a military rule like martial yeah. law mm-hmm. um just the idea of like rounding up people and putting them in a military facility that rings like it sends so many of like like there's been so many historical instances yeah. where that happened world war Two, you know even here in america in the concentration camps yeah and um or the the japanese internment camps and yeah. it was and it's so unsettling mm-hmm. to to see that and for the justification of it's for your own safety. Right. It's like, this is yeah. really, yeah, no, this is sending a lot of alarm bells, guys. This right. is not the best way to handle this. So I, I think one thing that I want to bring up really quickly that I was noticing is there's actually a scene that this is very, very relevant in, in the next episode, in the fifth one, which we'll get to in a couple of minutes. But there's kind of a, there's like a moral bankrupt feeling that I get from the soldiers Mm -hmm. but there's also the similar feeling that I get from Travis because it feels like they're both doing the incorrect thing they're both approaching the situation with this extremely naive sense like the soldiers I guess they're not both naive but the soldiers feel like what they're doing is they're like they're written as these characters that have no mind for anybody other than like we're just going to save ourselves and and none of you matter because we have guns. Mm-hmm. And whether or not we're supposed to feel that way or mm-hmm. some people do feel that way about the military, I mean, most people that I know that have joined the military are decent people that just want to help people. Mm-hmm. Whereas Travis is like, I'm going to be this patient, reasonable leader to my friends and I'm going to try to reason with these people and I won't you know, yeah. shoot a walker because mm-hmm. I don't know. And both sides, it feels totally incorrect. 
one of them feels like it's written in, in this black and white way to make me feel a certain way which I don't like generally in television because I feel like I'm being manipulated the soldiers feel that way to me mm-hmm. there's not a whole lot of balance there but then Travis I'm also just like you're a fool how do you not see what's happening around you <laughs> yeah. how have you not evolved faster it seems like everybody but you has evolved faster yeah. do you know what I mean mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah no I, I completely agree and you know shout out to the, the chat we have a lot of people in here who are saying how Madison is starting to evolve a little bit more than mm-hmm. Travis in, in many senses and so you know I mean she still has Obviously, she she still has her issues that she has to to deal with. And yeah, she's, she's still not willing it. to get her hands dirty in some some senses. Yeah. I mean, she's she's getting over that line more and more. Um, but Travis, I feel like he's still in the phases of this is not real. You know, we can help these people. There's a you know we can find a cure. We can fix this. We can go back to the way things were before. And right. he's just having a more difficult time really accepting that this is the new reality, which is interesting. Well, and to build off of that with Madison, I was reading something earlier online that I thought was really interesting and they were saying that they thought um that maybe what we're watching is the beginning like an origin story of a villain which would be madison oh, how do you turn almost like a breaking bad <laughs> kind of a thing yeah. Yeah. where you know she's the first one out of that group she killed somebody she knew and and she's able the fact that she knew that daniel was doing something wrong in this last episode and let it happen yeah. and just walked away from it and you know even the fact that she went out on her own and I don't even think she brought a weapon in episode four when she went to go walk out to see what was going on I mean she was defying people she's trying to figure things out if Travis wasn't there she was gonna kill Susu in episode three yeah so it's just kind of I thought that was an interesting take on that Mm -hmm. so I'm interested to see like what's gonna build up to her evolution and ultimately obviously Travis isn't gonna be there with her Unless something drastic happens, I think. So you mentioned her leaving, and she she goes off, and she Mm -hmm. hides under a tank, and she sees... She sees, and she comes back and then relays the information that she's seen now people that weren't necessarily dead, you know, that looked like they were just human people that never turned with a gun in their hand, like they were just shot down by military. That's not something they ever showed us in The Walking Dead. Mm -hmm. That's a totally brand... It's a brand new take on... uh, It's almost like revisionist history of the story we've already seen, Mm -hmm. because in the comic books as well as in the show. Yeah. That's not something they ever really allude to, mm-hmm. is that there was military presence that just executed a ton of people yeah. that were alive still. Uh, it kind of adds, it adds a huge wrinkle, I guess, to the story that we've seen so far, right? But at the right. same time, it's not at all far-fetched. It completely makes sense given everything that's going on and how the military, how we've seen the military handling it. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's not at all surprising, but it's still really unsettling. Well, because we've seen The Walking Dead, the fact that we know that Atlanta was mm-hmm. kind of blocked off and then nobody's there but the military was supposed to be in there no right. there's a lot of unanswered questions and of course now we're starting to see okay maybe that is what happened probably yeah. is what happened there so hmm. all right so after she goes out she comes back she's talking to daniel and we start to find a little bit more about his history out so we were all kind of wondering what was going on with him and and how he seemed to know more than everyone what his shady past was yeah so we start to find out that uh, where exactly did he grow up but he was part of in Mexico, right? Yeah. Or yeah. was it Mexico or was it... I feel like we got more clear information than that. Um, I, I I thought of one of his monologues. He just said when they came here from America, from Mexico... I don't think it was in the Mexico. chat. Was it Mexico? Yeah. 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 Let us know. Chat. Because exactly it was a week ago. <laughs> we yeah. apologize. Um, so, but yeah, I don't think it was Mexico. So he tells a story. He tells a story, and it is in the fourth episode, not the fifth one, when he's talking to Madison about men coming to his village yeah. and taking people away, and then he found them floating in the water. Yeah. Right? So he's that's why I think in episode three he looks out the window and he says it's already too late. He yeah. fears military presence. He of fears course. their power mm-hmm. completely, and, and he we, has no trust. Yeah. He's and, traumatized. He's seen these this exact same thing play out. So for him, it's 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 no different. So he's like, I feel like I have a step ahead of this like this is how we have to play this is a new game this is how we have to play the game because people carried away in trucks don't come back yes but he seemed to be okay with the doctor suggesting she was going to take griselda because he thought he was going to go with her but would that make it any better i mean people that get taken away don't come back he says i think at least he could protect her and as we've seen he's 
able to take care of himself. Yeah, well. Well. And yeah, if he's there with her, theoretically, he can protect her. But that's why he's talking to Madison and kind of going off of uh, the theory that Madison is going to become a villain. Why would he talk to Madison and not Travis right. in terms of uh, I'm going, I'm going with my wife. I probably won't come back. I need you to protect my daughter. He says that to Madison of all people. Right. Because he, we, we've seen he's an excellent judge of character and out of this entire family, who does he hone in on as the one who can possibly yeah. protect her? Yeah. And it's Madison. Nah, yeah, not Travis. <laughs> no. The woman. Which more and more makes me feel like Travis is either going to be... I think what's going to happen is that Travis is going to be put in a position to die, and whether or not he's saved is going to be what we see. Because I don't think Travis is going to be inevitably the way he acts in this show so far. He is either going to have to adapt drastically, very quickly, mm-hmm. which I don't necessarily see happening that fast. So I think he's going to be in a position where he's going to die or somebody's going to have to save him and he's going to sort of learn his lesson. That will be the big step for him to yeah. evolve because it doesn't feel like the way they're writing his character can survive and, and yeah. ultimately where we know this world's going to go. But they're, they're, they're creating stepping stones for that to happen. Yeah. You know, we specifically saw in episode five a way in which that was the beginning of that process happening. So I feel like it will happen, you know, whether or not it's through that example of him sort of being tested and either him possibly getting killed or you know him having to save somebody else and really sort of step up to the plate um but yeah i think that he has a lot of of evolving and a lot of growing to do and for him to sort of be you know the the, the patriarchal character of this show um it it feels like madison in a lot of ways is the one who you know a lot of people are going to for support for help to just have conversations and just to open up about everything that's going on they're kind of looking to her as sort of an unofficial leader so it's really interesting and i wonder if that dynamic is gonna shift kind of a yeah shift yeah. a little bit and play off of each other and how he's gonna handle that you know now that that's happening and we and we saw them both you know at we saw Madison when she saw the guy who was obviously shot and not a walker mm-hmm. at this point and how she reacted. And even though it stunned her, she didn't sit there. It didn't, she was able to get home. She didn't cry or anything like that. But we saw Travis when he went up to the roof at the end and he saw all the gunshots at that house that Chris had talked about. And he just sits there and starts crying. Yeah. And it's just, he's not prepared for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Has Madison cried yet? I, she I did. Bit, she did yeah. after okay. she killed uh, Artie. Artie? The yeah. principal, yeah. Okay. Oh, but, like, apart from that, we haven't seen her no. cry. She cried in the house when she got home that, like, that night when she realized that everything was just mm-hmm. kind of going to hell. Uh, I remember that she in goes the in the next room. Because yeah. she doesn't want to tell Alicia what's going on yet. That's true. Um, so, okay. So I do want to touch on something because we need to get into the next episode. Um, I, I did find out Daniel's oh, from uh, El Salvador. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Chet. Thank yeah. you, Chet, again. <laughs> So, okay, so the last thing we haven't talked about in this episode, which is a very important detail, and this actually winds in what you're saying about Madison, because I think it's kind of related. Mm-hmm. So Nick is lying to everybody and telling them that he's kicked. And, and it's, oh, yeah. it's another one of these things where it feels as you're watching it. Like, this is painfully <sighs> obvious. How is, how is nobody noticing that he's just not vomiting? He's just, it's dumb. That's not how it works. Mm-hmm. So he, we, we all, like, he kills the, the guy, the, the old man who was on methadone, or on the uh, morphine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, you know, injects himself, and he's he's still fixing. And when Madison finds him after the man's been escorted away, and starts slapping him and hitting him, and he gets all shaken and rattled, the first question I have is: Do we think that she knows in that moment that he killed the old man? Yeah, we definitely. That's why she's so that's, upset. That's what I thought because we saw his reaction because they were all together when it was yeah. announced like he he didn't do well and he was being taken yeah. away and all this kind of stuff and his face with that and you know because she says you didn't know or something like yeah. of, of that uh, range when she's slapping him so it definitely referred to the fact that when he when he was taken away yeah. and not doing as well that he was in there take you know doing something to his medication yeah um I'm not I'm not for child smacking but yeah. I was so glad somebody smacked that kid no, the the second we see him in that man's room and the man is having trouble breathing before like the yeah. it finishes panning down, um, we like uh, yeah no I prior to this I felt so sorry for Nick because he was when all of this was starting he was the only one that knew what was happening but no one was going to listen to him because mm-hmm. he was a druggie mm-hmm. yeah. and I I know he's an addict I totally I totally get that you get desperate and you will do anything you can to get that fix but like when i saw that i was like 
I don't feel sorry yeah, for you yeah. anymore. Um, I, I cease having empathy for yeah, you right now. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not team Nick at all right now because I don't know. I guess, yes, addict is a part of it, but I almost, I almost get a selfish brat kind of sense. Totally. You know, there's a sense of entitlement that he has even now, you know, and I know that a part of that is just his fixation on drugs and what that does to you, but like just him being in the pool and just like all these different scenes of of him just sort of just you know doing whatever he wants whatever he feels will serve him at the time and it's not a whole lot of him checking in on anybody else like the sister has done really really well with checking in on him you know sort of stepping in when madison isn't able to or just doesn't want to you know and sort of being that one to just make sure that that he's okay and that he's doing all right he doesn't do that for anybody he doesn't do that for madison he doesn't really do that for the sister so i just i get a really selfish you know self-entitled um just sense from him and I don't like that I hope that that changes and that he does eventually evolves to be the leader that I think we all hope that he can be or on the flip side in relation to Madison's character is she becoming stronger because she's been slowly but surely watching somebody that she loves die yeah and like in in terms of like she's just having to let him go one step and she's been sort of letting him go for a while but I think maybe in this situation in these stakes that maybe that's going to be the thing that sends her over the edge is I've already, you know, let my son go. He didn't yeah. even die in front of me. I had to just actually go through the process of just writing him off. Because, mm-hmm. And so maybe that's going to be a, a big, like, turning point for her character. I think that's interesting. So the episode ends. The soldiers come in. They take Nick. They take Griselda. Uh, and then Liza gets on the truck and runs away with them because yes. she's convinced that she should be a doctor and she should help. I think she was actually going so she knew what was going to happen to Nick. I think yeah. if it was just Griselda going, I don't think she necessarily would have gone. You know, like if Griselda and Daniel, like how she had planned it, had gotten off, yeah. I don't think she would have gone. I think it was the fact that she kind of knew, like, you know, the fact that even Madison told her in the, the previous episode, like, I need you to kill me. Like, she thought maybe going there and trying to, because as we saw in episode five, she's trying to find both Griselda and Nick. Right. She keeps yeah. asking about them. No, and and yeah, we we knew from the previous episode when they all got back together that this was one of those things where she was willing to make peace with Madison. She's like, "Look, I know we don't like each other, but like we're all in this together, yeah, mother sort of the thing. Mother. We need to support each other." And so, like seeing Nick get taken away, she's like, "Okay, this is this is how I can assist." Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I, I I somewhat agree. I think that that once she's there, she realizes she needs to to sort of check in on Nick. But, I mean, for most of that episode, she was kind of more concerned about Griselda. So that kind of made me feel like she was doing this more so because she just wanted to help. And so we kind of know a little bit about her backstory of wanting to be a nurse and how that didn't really work out for her. So I feel like for her, this is kind of a a time of redemption or her sort of stepping up and, you know... This is what I was meant to do. Yeah, this is what I was meant to do. I want to help people. And she did a really great job of that. And of course, you know, the other doctor sort of of getting in her ear, talking about they need you, you know, you're needed, you're wanted. I think that that was overwhelming for her. And that kind of clouded her judgment a bit because I definitely would not have left. As a divorcee to hear you're needed, we could really use you. Yeah, that probably means a lot. But... Um, I will say that I totally understand her going for, for multiple reasons. I will say, though, could you give me, like, two seconds to, to explain say, to my son? To say bye? The, I yeah, know, my, right? like, What is it, what, the Hunger 16, Games? 17. Right, exactly. <laughs> I volunteer as tribute. Yeah. Like, and then she's just carted right. away. Like, Even Katniss got two minutes to say goodbye. She just I love you, and just goes. Yeah, you know, it was, it was very weird. Like, a weird decision. And I didn't sense why they had... It was such an, an urgent matter. I mean, obviously with Griselda, yes. But it's like there was more than one truck. Right. You could have come, you know, at any time. This kid so. has abandonment issues already. Exactly. Totally. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so they, they get taken away. And now we'll jump into episode five, uh, titled Cobalt. Yes. Which we find out in the episode what, what it means. means. Oh, um, man. They're both directed by Kari Skoglin. She's uh, like a pretty classic television director. She got quite a bit of acclaim in the early 2000s directing kind of some more indie films. Mm-hmm. They had some pretty big people in them, but uh, for the most part, she's just the herald of television director. She does every major show you can think of. She's got episodes of X, Y, and Z all over the place, but she did not direct the finale. Um so this was sort of like her little project. Her two-parter. Two. Yeah. Which yeah. you could see because they connect quite a bit. Yeah, they right. definitely had a really good flow to each mm-hmm. other. Absolutely. 
So this one opens up with kind of a pull the rug moment. We have mm-hmm. a character who I don't think we know his name yet. Well, it was listed on IMDb as Strand. Okay. Strand. And he's sort of negotiating. He, he seems like he's some sort of negotiator, salesman, smooth talker. Yeah, Probably a con is. man. Con man. He seems to kind of have the inside track with the guards a little bit. And he's he's talking to the upset neighbor of Travis, who the, the guy who wouldn't be scanned, who mm-hmm. got taken away. Um, Douglas. Douglas. And makes, like, it's just, the whole scene's very weird. Yeah, I, I like the monologue. It's it's unsettling. It's really it's seedy. Creepy. It's, it was out of, I, I, like, out of character for the show. Yeah. To have somebody mm-hmm. like that. It, I, I thought it reminded me a little bit of Frank Underwood from House of Cards to an extent. It felt more yeah. kind of that feel than Fear of the Walking Dead for me. Yeah, I feel like uh, Douglas was just crying in the cell, and the guy was like, I gotta get him out of here. Yeah. <laughs> How can I get him out of here? <laughs> it's one of those pieces of writing where you're watching it, and you're like, this is interesting. This takes me out of the norm. Mm-hmm. And as a, if you were reading it as a script, I think it would stand out even more. But I yeah. actually think if you're reading it as a script, you would be like, this is so interesting and great. And then in the show, you're like, this is cool. It doesn't necessarily fit, but yeah. I, I'm on board. We'll see how this goes. Yeah. How cool was his voice, though? I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> he reminded me of the, um, you know, the Allstate guy who has, like, the really, really cool... <laughs> and he kind of had that swagger about him, too. Like, I was expecting his monologue to end with, are you in good hands? You know? <laughs> that is one of the, one of the classic Exactly. Voices. He could say that to Nick. <laughs> right, right. Are you in well, good you know, hands? Who are you? Yeah. yeah and then, exactly. are you in good hands? <laughs> but, yeah, it was, it was a, like you said, uh, Kristen, it was a very weird scene to have especially at the top of an episode and then from us coming from Nick and Griselda being taken away and then I thought that he possibly worked for the military and I was like well what's the military doing with this you know smooth talker guy is he an evaluator like what's going on and then you know it it makes more sense now that we have more of a backstory now with it but yeah it was a little interesting to watch at the beginning we were all like who is this well because I I guess he figured he couldn't get anything from Douglas right and so his he's testing people exactly so he's like I can't get anything out of this guy you know he's no good to me he puts like sort of valuations on the people right Mm -hmm. because he's talking about his his wife's body and he's talking something about Nick is sticking out to him as being worth something yeah Um, so let's actually cover the whole his whole character and the scenes with him because I feel like uh there's no reason to jump away and then back to it. Yeah. Yeah, nothing about their situation changes based on the rest of it. So when we come back to them, now he's met Nick and he's talking to Nick. And we see an exchange when the soldiers try to take Nick out of the cell. Yeah. Because his temperature's higher. Mm-hmm. Which we know is because he is going through withdrawals. Um, so he gives him... Like, the guy's got a watch. And Strand makes a comment about, you know, our transaction went well. Mm-hmm. So he's clearly given him his watch. And then I think he gives him a cufflink. Yeah. Two cufflinks, yeah. And he insists on two. Did you guys have a problem at all with the idea that a soldier would say, okay, if he has a higher temperature, we're taking him out of here because we think he's getting sick and turning. But if you give me this jewelry in this irrational Mm -hmm. moment where, like, it doesn't seem like belongings and jewelry, it seems to matter at all, I'll just let a sick person stay in your cell with you and risk the idea of everyone here dying. I would had... Cobalt not been a thing because even though we don't find out what cobalt is yeah. until the end of the episode, all of the soldiers know what the code name means and can probably see the writing on the wall that mm-hmm. it's going to happen soon. Yeah. Right. So who cares? Right. Well, and even without cobalt, just the fact that the whole world is going into an apocalypse, yeah. I think he probably figures we're in the military anyways. Like we're going to be saved probably more than these people, and might as well have some nice things. I think just some people get. And it's also an ego. Yeah, it's a power trip thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Because, uh, and they mentioned that morale is a little, mm-hmm. and we forget that these, you know, we get a little bit of in the, in the battle scene that we get, but these are the soldiers that are constantly fighting the walkers that are out and about right now, and they don't know how to combat them because they keep having substantial losses. Mm-hmm. And so they're not sleeping. They're losing way more men than they should be in this fight. And, yeah. and they're morally, you know, more like how do you explain to yourself that you are fighting the living dead right like yeah. what does that do and uh, and they were also explaining that a lot of them are young and just want to go home yeah. so yeah. it's like how how do you rationalize that to yourself and if the way you rationalize it is it's the end of the world your moral compass tends to shift a little bit yeah. absolutely it just goes back to you know how people are starting to be morally corrupted in this show because to me it's like there's still no excuse it's like you know all these people here essentially 
going to die one way or another. So it just it brought to mind for me. It's like, why is this guy strand even here? You know, like, why are how are they deciding outside of if you have a fever, or if you seem ill? Because a lot of them didn't seem to be ill at all. So mm-hmm. it's like, how are we deciding who is going to be put in here? Who's going to be put down, essentially? And then, you know, okay, yeah, I'm willing to risk everybody in this entire camp to, you know, be turned and, and to get killed um, for cufflinks, you know, which you're, you're in army outfits. Like, how attractive are, is right. an army outfit with cufflinks? I don't know. <laughs> you in a fancy suit. Right, exactly. So, to me, it's just... That when he dies, we know who he is because he has cufflinks. <laughs> That's right. what, that, was, that was the purpose. Status. He'll yeah. get a real nice burial for those cufflinks, for sure. But, yeah, it just seemed really weird to me that... That they knew all of this information, but that still, it, it wasn't enough for them to, to take a step back and think, okay, wait, these are people, you know, these are human beings. Mm. Like, let's let's go about this in a different way. Let's actually try as best as we can to sort of help people. But no, cufflinks are more important than other people. So do we think a couple things? One, I, I do think we should talk about Travis and the little mission he goes on, because that's, that's a pretty cool part of the episode. <laughs> but the, the question I have is we talk about if they all know about Cobalt, if we assume all the soldiers know about Cobalt, is the movement of the people and the doctors and the saving the surgeries and all that that they're doing, is that like a product of a, of a former infrastructure that they thought was going to be in place that they're just continuing on with until they just don't? Mm-hmm. I think so. Okay. I think cobalt is the last resort because it's it's a retreat. Yeah. And, it, and the way it was talked about was the humane extermination of all the civilians there. So it, I, I imagine that nobody would resort to that unless it was the absolute last resort. So until then, go about everything as normal. Well, if you noticed, too, most of the people that um, that Liza was being asked to work on were military people that were hurt. Right. So anytime she tried to find Griselda or, or somebody else, you know, she wasn't being allowed to. It was kind of like, no, we have people for you. And most of the ones that she had were military people. Yeah. So I wonder if it's also just trying to get as many, save as many of their guys to help Cobalt be mm-hmm. happen more, you know, yeah. more easily. All right. So we we have just about 10 minutes or a little mm-hmm. less left. And we have a couple things, unfortunately, we have to try to cover quickly. So yeah. I think what we should do is I think we should take the last sort of three bits of the show that we mm-hmm. saw in this episode. We should just kind of quickly sound off on each one of them so we can try to make sure we cover as much as we can for everybody. Mm-hmm. So why don't we start with Travis strikes a deal uh, after sort of threatening a mutiny yeah. with uh, <laughs> with Moyers, right? Which yeah. is a, and, and he gets that in the guy. car with him. Yeah. <laughs> He's and gone. Travis struggles to kill a walker at long distance with a, a mounted monopod or whatever he said. <laughs> the mics yeah. we use. Um, and and then they go in to save some soldiers. Moyers is gone. They get assaulted, and the soldiers take off and leave Travis. Mm-hmm. Um, that whole exchange. Yeah. Quick, uh, what's your elevator pitch on that? What do you think? Um, I think. Well, I'll just I'll just do the one point um, we talked about when we were watching. I for him to not shoot the walker, or at least pretend to shoot. Like, I mean, not pretend to shoot, but actually shoot, but but actually yeah. miss. Be like, hey guys, it actually was a bad shot. I think it would have helped to at least kind of build his character a little bit more instead he just he does come off like he's not going to survive it's just not going to happen that way and um i gotta wonder too if lieutenant moyers is gone for good because they said let's just leave him right and we haven't seen a dead body so <laughs> i i don't i don't know if i believe that that actually happened or not I did like he's they not just, coming <laughs> they just yeah. left him i think because they were yeah, yeah well, well I'll, I'll wait i'll wait for him. <laughs> what do you think um i I would not surprise me at all if he's dead, but I I really appreciated this whole this whole bit because you do actually see it from somebody who is becoming morally corrupt. You actually do see it from his point of view like, oh, you know, from Travis's point of view, he's like I'm a conscientious objector. I can't shoot somebody who used to be a person. And they're like, "Oh, so you're totally okay with benefiting from, you know, us getting our hands dirty, but you can't actually pull the trigger yourself." So, I get that. But this guy's swagger, oh man, like, he drives me crazy. Because on the one hand, he's kind of, like, he's kind of charismatic, and he's kind of funny, and he, you can tell he's using humor as, like, a way to cope. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, man, this should not be the guy with all the guns. So, on the one hand, yes, he probably got his comeuppance. On the other hand, now that he's gone, it seems like a lot of the soldiers are like... (laughs) Peace, I'm out. I'm going to San Diego to go be with my family. Yeah, yeah. Mm. or the pieces of them that are still yeah, still whatever's left of them. Have to at least try. The yeah, I mean, you know, just to keep it really short and sweet, what we've kind of been echoing throughout this uh, show is just that this is 
this was a really clever way for them to sort of put Travis at, like give um, take away his choice of having to deal with this and to really put him in the fire of okay you're going to have to be you're going to be faced with this at some in some point of this show you're going to have to make the decision to kill this person even though you think that they're still human even though you think it's murder you're going to have to do it so either you're going to step up and be a man or you're not you're going to cop out and people are going to die so it was just a great introduction to that and I'm sure we'll see more of that my, my two thoughts on this were this was the scene that I was talking about earlier where I really felt Travis's approach was so naive and yeah. it was so short-sighted, but they felt like these very cardboard, morally bankrupt characters in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. and I didn't really think that either their, the writing of their characters was fair, necessarily, and I felt like the writing of his character, he was sort of underwritten in that scene as being dumber as a character than I actually think he is. Mm-hmm, um, yeah. I didn't really like either of those things about it, yeah. but it was interesting hearing him with the radio. The second thing, mm-hmm. one thing I've noticed about this show... If you guys ever watch like a war movie, like say like Lone Survivor or like I just saw Everest last night, mm-hmm. there's this Ooh. sense in these movies and, and these things where you get out of an incredibly traumatic situation that's life or death. You escape with your life and you immediately double back to try to save the people that you left behind in the situation you barely escaped with your life in, mm-hmm. which never makes any sense to me. It's like we got to the bottom of that and we're going back up top to try to get him even though we've been shot six times. Yeah. Like he's dead. Get out. You're going to die. <laughs> In this show, they don't do that very often. Sometimes mm-hmm. they do, but often, like, these soldiers are like, he's gone. We're leaving. Like, yeah. the place is full of zombies. If we go mm-hmm. back in, we're just going to die. We're leaving. Mm-hmm. And I, there's a reality to that that I think is the sort of tipping point that a lot of the characters in this show have to experience. Yeah. And I think that's interesting to pay attention for. So yeah. now let's talk about Liza in the hospital. Yes. Let's... And- Okay. Uh, oh, shout out in the chat, uh, Trini B. Trini Trini B. Woy twenty seven. She wanted to know what we thought of Doctor Exner with Liza, which was the doctor who mm-hmm. just was kind of recruiting her. Sedina Halt. Perfect. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. I, we're going to try to jump straight into straight it. into that. So yeah, what were your what are you guys' thoughts about just the whole sequence, right? Because Griselda yeah. takes the cattle, the cattle. What's the, the device called? It's a pressure cattle. Yeah. yeah, it's like a little pressure gun thing used yeah. to put down cattle. Mm-hmm. And we see like the process of the people that they're sort of trying to save, but then as soon as there's a bite or anything, they just like whisk them away and get rid of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we also, Exter, you can't really tell if you trust her or yeah. not. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem like Liza necessarily does trust her. I don't blame her either. Yeah. I mean, how they handled them taking uh, everybody away. And I'm not mm-hmm. sure if that was the doctor's fault or, or, or not specifically because the military is involved with bringing people over. And it seems like that with the writing, how they're doing them, that was more their fault. But I, I don't blame her for not really trusting her at all, yeah. wanting to try to find her people. Um, that scene with Griselda, that was kind of haunting. Yeah. It's because we also learn, oh, I'm, I know we were going to cover this in a quick second, but with, with Daniel's past where he's talking about, I never told her, I never told Ophelia which side of the good or evil that I was on. And we find out that even so afterwards is that whole thing with Griselda where she is seemingly talking, speaking to the devil yeah. mm-hmm. and I'm seeing your face and yeah. you know what I did. And that's the kind of person I am. So if this is, if I have to die this way, then yeah, you know, yeah. I, I loved my husband and I knew that was going on and that was, I'm getting chills. Like thinking about yeah, it. No, like, that's it like so, exorcist ugh. type yeah. talk. It's yeah, it yeah was, super creepy. Mm-hmm. Good scene. Any, any thoughts really? on that? Um, I, I think the doctor is just somebody in survival mode. Yeah. I, I think that, uh, she has just as much to fear from the military that she's trying to help, um, and from what, you know, this thing that's happening in the world. So she's just in survival mode. It's all about the numbers of how many people can I save. And also, you know, it seems like her assistants who, ask too many questions just sort of get carted away yeah. so you know she she's just trying to do in in my opinion she's probably just trying to do the best she can i agree with you that scene with griselda where she passed away and then had to be put down it was it was very haunting it was very yeah. chilling yeah i mean it seemed a little bit poetic almost mm-hmm. i was trying to figure out if she was quoting something you know if those were her words right. or if she was actually like sort of reading you know a poem or something it was it was really eerie really creepy and i almost i thought that she was like almost dead saying those words you know Mm -hmm. it just it was it was a great scene though because you know we didn't really get to know griselda a whole whole lot and so a lot of people were saying that her death wasn't too much of a a shocker for anybody because Mm -hmm. we didn't have that much of a connection with her but i think it just sort of shows you know for us 
a little bit of backstory about with Daniel and Ophelia and their whole story and, and how that may possibly play into it. Um, as far as Dr. Exner goes, I think that there's a lot more that she knows that she's not telling. And yeah. I don't understand for what reason, because it seems like she also has a really great connection with Liza. So I feel like she could open up a little bit more. I mean, maybe she's just, again, fearful um, about how that information will sort of play out. But, I mean, overall, it was really interesting with Liza killing Griselda. It it paralleled, for me, a lot with Madison having to kill the professor. I mean, Mm -hmm. the professor, oh, my gosh, which show am I on? Principal. Uh, The principal. (laughs) So, yeah, it was just, it was a great, I guess, distinction. But, you know, even though these are women who seem to be very far apart from each other, they're actually a lot closer than they think. Absolutely. I think you guys covered it pretty well. I mean, I was just going to say the one thing is it does seem like there's a transition that a lot of these characters are facing where they watch someone that they have learned to care about or already yeah. do care about die, and that's a transition moment. So maybe yeah. in her case, that's going to be very important. Mm-hmm. Um, there's two last bits I want to cover. The first one is the more important one. So if we don't get to Chris and Alicia breaking, breaking plates things. and having like a weird, yeah. like, sexual yeah, moment, yeah. Because um, that will come back up. awkward tension. And I'm sure that will be revisited later so in a more relevant way. Yeah. But it did feel just for a second like we had, like, the OC or some show, like Gossip Girl, just, like, jumping into this show. Um, which, honestly, I'm kind of a sucker for those shows. So a little <laughs> argument, like, you wanted to see but, the more of that scene. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, You're like, now kiss. Predictions, <laughs> the, the more important the, scene is the torturing of Ophelia's soldier yes, boyfriend. Yes, yes. And the information that we find out about both Daniel's past as well as what Cobalt is. So we are like just running out of time. So again, we should we'll try to give our just thoughts give on it. this. And guys, I'm so sorry we're running short on time. It's just two episodes in one. We're trying yeah. to get through everything. So um, let's go out of order this time so we don't just go down the line. Um, why don't we start with you? Oh, what I think. Uh, this... Um, it was very reminiscent of uh, a movie called Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah. Only um, the guy who is tor- you know, about to commit torture was not at all enjoying it. And I think there's a lot of humanity there. And, uh, but like, that's what makes it all the more unsettling. Yeah. It's, it would be one thing if Daniel was just this mustache twirly villain, like the governor who was just totally content with doing whatever he needed to do. But the fact that he suffers, you know, while, while doing this, that, that, you know, he still has a lot of humanity and he still cares so much about his family. It it's still like it wasn't what like I thought he was in the wrong for doing this, but at the same time they found out important information. They found out essentially that if he hadn't done that, they they were all going to be dead in right. the morning. Yeah, I think I'll, I'll jump on that. And it, what what I thought about that was I love the line where he said, "I told her stories when she was a child, and I just never told her which man I was," uh, mm-hmm. which is interesting. If that's sort of his nod to like this is what's necessary for survival. And we're going to do what we have to do. And sometimes you have to be the good guy and sometimes you have to be the bad guy. But ultimately, he's not family. He's collateral damage. So we need to survive. And I liked that they had Travis come in and immediately do the moral, what are you doing? But then he immediately backed off and he's like, oh, we're all going to die. Okay, you were right. Because they were planning on murdering us tomorrow. Well, yeah. And like like you said at the beginning, I felt bad because I actually did think, maybe I'm naive, but I thought Adams (laughs) was kind of telling the truth because obviously Mm -hmm. he did have feelings for Ophelia, you know, and he was like, I don't know what Cobalt is. And I'm like, maybe he doesn't. And then, of course, at the end, we find out that he does after his torture, which kind of time to save Ophelia. He stood up to his yeah. SO in order to walk her home because he cares about yeah. her. But yeah, you're absolutely yeah. a lot of good that did. He was still content to leave her. Yeah. I, I personally kind of took it as Daniel taking it a little bit to the extreme only because he had been traumatized from what happened to him mm-hmm. when he was in El Salvador. Um, and I personally felt like, you know, I mean, he said that he was going to tell the information anyways. And I felt like no matter what he said, you know, Daniel still made it up in his mind. Like, no, this is how things are going to go down because I've just decided that this is how things are going to go down. Even if he had just given up all the information about Cobalt right off the bat, we still would be here at the very end of this scene. So I think it's just very telling for Daniel, like what he's willing to do regardless of what who says what and what information comes out or what happens. And then, you know, like you're saying, the juxtaposition of that with Travis and a little bit of Madison, you know, being more hesitant um, mm-hmm. about it and trying to think things through. And this is not a think things through society anymore. And it also says a lot about Ophelia, too, because she didn't know which man her father was. Yeah. And had she known, she probably would have never brought this poor guy to right, him. Right, yeah. because yeah. she did care about him somewhat. So the, so the last two things we see, and I think we're just going to mention them, and then we'll have to get to them in predictions. 
one I think Chris and Alicia will get to next week because I have a feeling we're going to see more of that there <laughs> is that god sort of, I hope not was <laughs> I, and is that the only one that was like this is weird I was okay the other thing is that Daniel finds out that there's a stadium full of walkers mm, that yeah. is nearby the I'm not exactly sure how nearby it is but it seems like he's going to try to open that in a way to like free them or do something like that so let's get into our After Buzz TV yes. predictions and we can talk about what we think <laughs> You did the mash. You did the monster mash. That's a great smash. Um, I'm gonna go first. Yes, do it. I'm gonna reference the Chris and Alicia scene that I did not think was a problem. (laughs) What you've been waiting for, ladies and gentlemen? It's like that Brady Bunch movie where, like, Marsha or, or, you know, where they hook up and Greg, and you're just like, ew, your steps. It's like it was lighthearted, and I love Alicia Debenham Carey from her role on The Hundred. She's actually a very talented actress to be able to play both, Mm -hmm. but. uh, I think that what's going to happen is we're going to get a little bit of a like teenage relationship between these two guys, and I think it's actually going to make us like both of them as characters a lot more because it seems like they're going to have someone to talk to who's not just constantly going to be condescending and dismissive. So we'll actually get to hear what their thoughts are and be less annoyed by them. Yeah, what's that's yours? that's the one thing I I did think is because they both kind of are dismissed and a little bit ignored on both sides. So they they kind of have a connection and, and understand each other a little bit in that way. Um, I'm hoping that Daniel doesn't open that door. Uh, <laughs> that could be very, very catastrophic for the entire show. Um, but I, I feel like for sure, I mean, the Cobalt mission, that's going to go underway. And I think that Liza is definitely going to try to help Nick. Whether or not she lives um, is a whole other story. Um, but yeah, I, I think that the Cobalt thing is, is going to go off and that Liza is going to try and get Nick out of there and hopefully Daniel doesn't open that door. Don't open that door. I don't think Daniel's going to open that door. I think he went just to kind of see what it was because the, the soldier had told him that they locked all, everyone in, yeah. you know, infected and everything. And that's what's left well, of everybody who's in there. I the door doesn't get open by I, I, I think there he's smarter than that. Yeah. I don't think that's going to happen. But um, I will say that the next step is going to be trying to get the family back together and then get the hell out of there. Yeah. Before nine yeah. AM. That is that is our next episode. Well, and I think we'll see them try to go to you know, now that they know because Adam's told them where they're being held at, um, that they're gonna go over there as well. And I think I don't think they'll all get back together. I think it might have even different pairings of who's with who. Yeah. Um and I think it, I I feel like we almost have to see Madison and Liza like have a little have it out because yeah. she had her line about yeah, it was her. It was yeah. Yeah. I yeah. think those are pretty solid and we will be here next week to go over that stuff with Yay! you guys. So thank you for coming back and Woo! watching. And us. thank uh, you, chat. Shout out to the chat too. You guys were great. Guys, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. Both are Kristen Carroll thirteen. You guys can follow me on Twitter at the Mangwin. That's T H E M E N G U I N. Also on a bunch of shows here at AfterBuzz, and be sure to tune in to the Movie Chick uh, News Show on Tuesday. Hey guys, find me on Twitter, Instagram, Ashley underscore Chapman. Also check me out on Sundays at seven for the Narcos After Show. Guys, my name is Ben Bateman. You can find me at Ben Bateman Media on Twitter and Instagram. Remember to come back next week for the finale. And following that, Ooh. Walking Dead returns at the same time, same place here at AfterBuzz TV. So right. October 11th. Yeah, Ooh. get pumped. We'll see <laughs> yeah. you guys next week. Bye. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz, see you later. The views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 